Oh, give Woody a hand as he comes tonight, amen. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be blessed. Bless you guys. Thank you. Hallelujah. If you love Jesus, you can sit down. If not, you can stand up. (laughs) How many people understand there's nothing you can do to make God not love you? Come on now. That's right. I mean, you know, (laughs) you can literally reject him all your life and go to hell, and he'll love you to the day you die. And, you know, all he wanted to do was love the hell out of you. (laughs) So the problem was not, come on, the problem wasn't that God didn't love you. The problem is whether we receive his love. And right now, we're not going to have a meeting about God. We're going to have a meeting with God. And I got a couple, everyone has announcements. One of the major announcements I have is I'm desperate and I need friends. (laughs) So if you're on Facebook and, you know, just look up. Preacher Woody Woodson, because there's like 200 Woody Woodsons. I mean, it's John Smith, Woody Woodson. I don't understand. It's just one of those names, you know? (laughs) But there's only one preacher, Woody Woodson. Again, we do have CDs back there and stuff. And if I push your button and, and you know, you hear the voice of God invest in the word. And if you can't afford it and you need it, take it anyway. I give you permission. So don't, please. You know, but if you can't afford it, help us to pay for some of the other expenses. But that's cool. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Psalm 126. I, I'm going to have fun tonight. I, I, yeah, how many people understand there's no sad Holy Ghost? Right. Come on now. Right. And if you don't believe God has a good sense of humor, look to the right, look to the left of you, or look in the mirror. Come on now. You're all funny, but the, the more serious you are, to me, the funnier you are. <laughs> so come on, smile. It increases face value. I want to talk tonight. You know, God spoke to me this year, and he said, you need to tell my people to dream again. He said, that, you know, he said not only do, am I giving them permission, I want them to dream. Come on now. And one of the biggest problems in America is the American dream has been crushed. And literally with the dream comes the spirit of the people. You know, there was a time in America, the American dream was alive and well, and people could believe that they could be anything. And so we must stand against a poverty spirit. A poverty spirit tells you what you cannot have and what you cannot do and what you cannot be. That's what a poverty spirit does. It, def- it defines you and confines you into a place where you're of no movement at all. But you know what a dream does? It sets you free. Come on now. So Psalm 126, I want you, I want you to see this. We're going to have some fun, like I said. Hopefully, you know, it's go- God's going to speak to you tonight, I believe, by the power of the Spirit of God. But Psalm 126, verse 1, it says, When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion. How many people understand God wants to turn your captivity? It says, We are like those who dream. Come on. How many people understand without a dream, you're a captive? Without a dream, you're a slave. And literally, God's purpose for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost is he wants to come on you so you'll dream. So you'll have visions. And when I talk about dreams, I'm talking about dreams and visions in the same context. It's seeing something. Many times God will give you dreams in the night because many of you, your conscious mind is literally resisting God. But when you fall asleep, come on, he can get through. Come on. Now, some of you, I love preaching on dreams because if you fall asleep during my message, hey, I'm doing my job. (laughs) It's working, God. (laughs) Anyway, it says, then our mouth was filled with laughter. You know why there's not much joy in the church? Because there's not much dreaming in the church. People without a dream are miserable. People without a dream are joyless. Come on now. That's why little kids giggle and are happy because their whole life is a dream. They're living in a dream world, and God wants you to live his dream for your life. You are God's dream seed. 
God literally had a dream about you before you ever were conceived and literally foreordained good works from the foundation of the world for you to walk therein. He literally put everything together before he even knit you together in your mother's womb and he gave every one of you designer genes. Come on now. You have been genetically designed on purpose to fulfill God's dream in the world and God wants you to live a dream life. The reason why little kids are happy is because they have a dream. And we, as, little, as kingdom kids, we have got to enter into the kingdom like little children. And the reason why little kids don't stay offended is when you have a dream, you don't have time for offense. Dreamless people are easily offended. Come on. Good preaching. Thank you. And it says, then our tongue was filled with joyful shouting. Then they said among the nation or among the heathen, the Lord has done great things. When you're living the dream, even the heathen will notice. When you're living the dream, people will notice there's a difference between you and them. They'll notice it. They'll notice that our families will be healthier. We should have dream families. Come on now. Do you not nightmares, but dream families. You know, and many of us, honestly, we, you know, I, I began to realize my whole life I've lived a dream. As a, five, you know, as a seven-year-old boy in second grade, my, my coach talked to me and said, you swing a baseball bat like Ted Williams. And I had a dream of myself playing professional baseball. And for the next 13 years, I lived it until I was there. And then God changed the dream. But, you know, then God gave me a dream of traveling the world and preaching the gospel and and literally preaching every night of the week and and just ministering to people. And it was impossible. When God gave it to me, it was so far away. But, you know, I'm walking it. I'm living it. Where I am today is my dream of yesterday. And I'm heading into my future is in the dream world, baby. And I'm living the dream and reaching. Come on now. From faith to faith, from glory to glory, from revelation to revelation, from dream to dream. I'm married to my dream girl. You know, I always tell people, I say, it's a life sentence. You decide what type of life it is. (laughs) It's true. When you first get married, it's puppy love. You don't work at it. It's going to be dog eat dog before long. So you got to keep working at it. true you know every good woman needs to be chased so guys that just because you caught her don't stop chasing her it keeps you both happy come on now hallelujah hallelujah that's when you know when 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 abraham had a dream he started chasing the woman around the house hey (laughs) his youth was renewed like the eagles Come on. <laughs> but they're going to say the Lord has done great things for us, and we're glad. It's, it talks about in a, every dream has to do with harvest if it's from God. Because it said you'll carry precious seed. Come on now. And literally, whether you're giving or living, everything you should do is, should be a dream seed for the harvest you want. I never give ex- without having a dream attached to it. Never. And how many people understand that that earth's dream is heaven's reality? If you're sick here tonight, you dream of being well. Guess what? There's no sickness in heaven. If you're under financial pressure tonight, you dream of plenty. Guess what? That has to do with heaven. If you're depressed here tonight... You, you think of times when you're of being full of joy. Guess that? That's what it's like in heaven. And everything goes back to father of dreams. Come on. You start saying, our father, our father, our father, which art in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's praying the dream. It's praying the dream. Come on now. Amen. Does this make sense to you? 
And literally, you will come back carrying harvest. See, you're not old until your regrets take the place of your dreams. And I began to ask God, I said, God, why don't people dream? And he told me, he said, the number one thing, and I've taught a lot on it, but I'm not going to stop teaching until people get it. He said, the number one reason people don't dream is they're disappointed. Uh You know, it's amazing that, you know, 1 Peter chapter 5, or 1 Peter 2, 6 says, those who trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. You know, Romans 10, 11 says, those who trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. Psalm 22, verse 5 says, in their distress, they cried unto the Lord. They trusted in him, and they were not disappointed. The opposite of trust is disappointment. You are never trusting God when you're disappointed. And guess what? Disappointments will come. You're not disappointed when it's a good day. You don't say, this is the best day of my life. I'm so disappointed. (laughs) Oh, that is so wonderful. I'm disappointed. No. You're disappointed because something you were believing for didn't happen. Or something that you you were not expecting that was bad did happen. In each case, the response should be, okay, God, work it for good. You, you cannot, you, you've got to reconnect with God every time there's a disappointment. It should be like, okay, time to pray, time to pray. I'm disappointed. I'm going to cast it on the Lord. And I'm going to believe in Romans 8, 28. You're going to work it for good. You're going to work it. This is not good, but you're going to work it for good. You're going to take this mess and turn it into a message, Lord. What the enemy meant for evil, you're going to work together for good. Now, I have this belief in my system, and I don't know if you believe it, but I honestly do, that not only not, that, that no, mess, no weapon formed against me prospers, that's Isaiah 54, 17, but I also believe that every weapon formed against me causes me to prosper if I'll allow God to turn it. Because if God's working it together for good, what the enemy meant for evil is causing more good to come into my life than would have happened if it never happened. Come on now. So literally, instead of allowing your trials to work against you, uh, bring God into them, come on now, and allow God to work them, and the very thing that was was meant to take you out is going to put you over. If you believe that. But see, I found out disappointed people don't dream. Why? They say, well, I'm not, I, you know what, that, they never get their hopes up. See, many of you need to become a prisoner of hope. And I can tell you what, prisoner, and, and that's Zechariah 9, 11, and 12, if you want some verses on it. But God wants to make you a prisoner of positive expectations. You know, a prisoner of hope wakes up every day and says, this is my day. This is my day for my breakthrough. This is my day. This is my day. This is my day. Hallelujah. And if it doesn't happen that day, you wake up the next day and say, this is my day. This is my day. Come on now. And guess what? If you wake up every day saying, this is my day, you won't miss your day when it comes. Come on. Does this make sense? And how many people understand if you're going to dream, you need the Holy Ghost. And he wanted, the first thing he wants to do is anoint your head in Psalm 92, verse 10, with fresh oil. Because most of your problem is between your ears. And a little dab won't do you. I, I've been around some of you guys. Come on now. You need to be soaked. And if you'll anoint your head with fresh oil, Psalm 22, 3 says your cup will overflow. Come on now. See, God wants us in the overflow, the overflow, not the barely enough. Right. Yeah. No, I can survive. Yeah. Not that little Eeyore spirit that came into the church, that little donkey thing that, oh, you, nothing good ever happens to me. <laughs> when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be, but it's going to be hell on earth until then. No! <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I mean, what part of rejoice evermore don't you understand? <laughs> Some of you need an oil change. Come on, somebody. And, you know, I was thinking about that. You know, every year I, I start off ministry in Kentucky. You know, I, I, you know, I do a lot of ministry in Kentucky. But every year I start off in Kentucky. It's like a tradition. 
You know, it's kind of like I'm here in October. I'm in Kentucky in January. And I, I, I had an open vision when I was driving. It's like the second or third one I've had while I'm driving. So that's why you should pray when you get behind the wheel because you never know when I'm having a vision. <laughs> but I was driving down to Kentucky and it was a sunny day, but in my vision, I saw a real cloudy. I saw a mist coming down. And, you know, that, you know I, I'm looking, whoa, that's interesting. And next thing I know, I'm looking worldwide, and there's stopped up wells. And some of the places I've been in the world, and, and just a lot of, just everywhere I go, millions and millions of stopped up wells. And I was thinking, God, and I saw the mist coming down, and all of a sudden I heard a gurgling in the earth. And it seemed like there was a drawing power of the water that was coming down, was drawing water from those wells and literally it, it, it had such strength it began to to unstop the wells and water came up out of the wells and came up to meet the water coming down and when they they touched there was a major explosion and fire began to spread worldwide and god began to talk to me about the former and latter rain together that all the anointing there's ever been is still in the earth that literally when Brother Roberts died, his anointing is still here. When Elijah died, his anointing is still here. Even when Jesus died, he couldn't take the Holy Spirit with him. You know, we, weren't, we wouldn't be required to do the same thing if we didn't have the same spirit. And I started thinking about that. And I, I said, God, I said, what? And he said, the last anointing is the anointing that will draw out all the other anointings. The last generation will be a culmination. All the anointing that's already resident in the earth will be activated by the anointing on the last generation because every generation has its own anointing. And he told me that's one of the reasons that people right now in the body of Christ have been almost resisting the Holy Spirit because the enemy's been trying to cut off that expression so there wouldn't be the demonstration. And the Lord told me about the importance of being being filled with the Spirit, not just being filled one time, but staying full of the Holy Ghost, speaking to yourselves with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And he began to talk to me, you know, so strongly about the importance, and this is what the Spirit of God spoke to me. I hope this helps you. But he told me the difference. He said, you know, he said, Woody, the problem in the body of Christ is most people understand that the Holy Spirit abides in them, but they're not allowing the Holy Spirit to come on them. And he said, the Holy Spirit in them doesn't cause the miraculous. It's the Holy Spirit coming upon their flesh that causes the miraculous. And he said, you know, he told me, you know, he told me, he said, you know, I did no miracles until the Holy Spirit covered me. Till the Holy Spirit came on my flesh, even though it was without sin, I could still do no miracles until this, I could say the Spirit of the Lord was upon me because he's anointed me. Come on. And I began to recognize the importance, again, of the Holy Spirit coming on us and changing us into another man. You know, the, Jesus' last command to the church was, see to it, you don't leave Jerusalem till you've been clothed with power. So you've been clothed. Clothing is outward. Clothing covers flesh. And when I asked the Lord, and the Lord said, you know, when, you, when I come back for a glorious church, most people, he said, they don't even have a clue what that means. All a glorious church is is a church whose flesh is covered. That's what a glorious church is. They're covered by the Holy Ghost from head to toe. Because when you're covered with the Holy Spirit, people don't see you. They see Jesus. Come on now. And I don't care who you are, your flesh is ugly. <laughs> uh-huh. All flesh is ugly. That's why God has to cover it. Come on. And I began to think about this. I, you know, years ago, I, I had a, a walk with all Roberts when I was at ORU. All the students went home for Thanksgiving, and, and I decided to stay there. I felt like God told me to stay on campus, and I was, I was really feeling kind of lonely because it was like a deserted place. Yeah. And then I was up lifting weights in the, in the aerobic center, and Brother Roberts came up. We never saw him walking around campus in those days. 
You know, I mean, because he always had security around him, but because everybody was gone. And he saw me lifting weights. He said, do you mind walking with me? <laughs> I wasn't going to say no. <laughs> so I walked around, and, he, you know, he, he, he asked me what I did, you know, what I was planning on doing. And I told him, he said, do you mind if I share anything with you? I said, no, just talk on, man. And he did. And he talked about the revival days and the tent revivals and all this stuff. And one of the things he said, he said, well, you know, one of the keys to my life was, he said, I would never go out on the platform until I knew I was clothed with power from on high. He said, there are times they'd sing for an hour, hour and a half before I ever went out there. He said, when I did go out there, and he said, there were a few times I went out there because I felt the pressure to be there without the presence. And he said, no miracles happened. Nothing. He said, but when the Holy Ghost would come on me, he said, I would walk on the platform. It was like Jesus himself was there. Because it was no longer me, it was Christ. And he said, I would see the miraculous. And I started thinking about, again, the, the difference between the Holy Spirit in us and on us. The Holy Spirit in us will lead us and guide us, but the Holy Spirit on us will empower us to do the miraculous. Come on, set captives free and literally bring the anointing that destroys yokes and removes burdens. I remember years ago, I was, you know, I was doing a miracle meeting. I really get nervous when people announce miracle meetings. It's like announcing revival. If it's a real revival, you don't have to announce it. If you have to announce it, chances are it ain't one. <laughs> Come on now. God will do his own advertising. He will. It's true. And, you know, so they called it a miracle church, and I knew what church that was, and it would be a miracle if it was one. They said, you know, they were going to have a miracle service, you know. And I knew, but, I mean, I can go places, and if people tap in, I mean, I'll go places with the same anointing. In one place, all heaven breaks loose. In another place, nothing happens. And I'm, I'm able to entertain people, so I'll at least do that, so at least they're not bored. <laughs> you know, most of them don't know God didn't show up. Come on. Well, at least I had a good time, you know, walk around happier and unfortunately didn't do much good for him. But, but you know, at least it was fun. Beats boring. And, I, I, you know, so I went there and they're announcing a miracle service. And I said, God, you're going to have to show. I mean, God, you know, come on me. And during that meeting, I began preaching. And all of a sudden I hear this, this thud in the back pew lady fell off the back pew and this guy starts screaming my mama's dead that's not good for a miracle service <laughs> and you can sense the fear oh i mean everyone's staring you know and i'm thinking oh man but the holy ghost was on me and when when the holy ghost is on me i scare me i say things i wish i wouldn't say but they come out anyway I do things, you know, I mean, and so, I, you know, those are usually the times when people say, do you remember when? It's usually when I did something crazy. But, you know, it wasn't me doing it. And this time, I, I, all I did is I, I saw the fear, and I saw, I just jumped off the platform. It was a high platform, and I ran back there, and I picked up this lady because I could because she was like 90 pounds or less. And I picked her up off the ground, and, and, I, and I, I meant to say, be healed in Jesus' name. Or at least come back to life in Jesus' name. <laughs> but no. I start shaking her, and this is what comes out of my mouth. Have you ever said anything and you thought, man, that was the craziest thing I ever heard? I can't believe I'm saying this. And then you try to correct it, and it gets worse. I start, I start shaking this woman, and this is what came out of my mouth. No one dies during my service. <laughs> And I'm thinking, no, that's not right. I say, honey, you die on your time, not mine. <laughs> and I start shaking her and kept coming out that way. And all of a sudden, all her vital signs returned. And she got. And by that time, the paramedics had come. And she's hitting her son saying, I want to hear the word because she looked pretty normal. But you got to go to the hospital, mama. Well, you know, her, her son was a doctor. And I came back the next, you know, next year, like I normally a lot of places I do. And I. He was there and she wasn't. I didn't want to ask. <laughs> One of the hardest things being a preacher is people expect you to be honest. 
And sometimes you don't want to be. And then after I preached that day, this, this, this guy comes up to me. He said, I bet you want to know where my mama is. I thought, no, I don't. But I couldn't say it. So I checked with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, you can say, you, you know she's saved. So just say you bet she's in a better place. I said, I bet she's in a better place. He said, yes, she is. She's in Hawaii. <laughs> and he said, I'm not a religious man. He said, I, I can tell you all the things were wrong with my mama and listen to all the diseases. He said, when you shook her, you literally shook the hell out of that woman. <laughs> and she's totally healed. Well, that's because I didn't shake her. The Holy Ghost was on me. See, you know, if I shook her, (laughs) anyway, we won't go there. But hey, but when the Holy Ghost is on you, come on, somebody. And the Holy Ghost wants to come on you so you can have some stories to tell. They're called testimonies. How the Holy Ghost will come on you and cause you to say things and do things you never would. We all, every one of us should say, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Some of us should say, Holy Ghost, come on me. Come on me. Come on me. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to have the same Spirit on you. Come on, somebody. You say, am I helping someone yet? See, and you know, I don't know about you. I'm just, you know, you're going to get something tonight. Before it's all over, it's going to come together. Trust me. If not, you'll say, well, that was, that was, that was different at least. <laughs> you know, by the way, I never, passed the, I never passed the preaching course on three points in a poem. <laughs> I never did, man. I just, I, I always see these guys. I, I love it the way they put things together. I wish I could. Yeah. You know, it ain't going to work that way. I just feel fill up and explode. But last year, I, I don't. How many of you have ever had one of those years where you're glad it was over? Yeah. Some of you have a life like that. But anyway, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, real, I'm a very positive person. I don't think I've ever until last year thought, I'm glad that one over. But last year was one of those years. I mean, last year I broke my foot. That's why I wear these, I wear these shoes. I got rocker shoes on. Makes me a rock star. You know, I, I, had a, I, I finally got a chance to use steroids. Couldn't use them when I played ball, but now I use them to get the... <laughs> what a waste. <laughs> you know. Anyway, I ain't going there. I was about ready to say something. Holy Ghost stopped me. That's good. That's a good thing. <laughs> and you know... In the midst of that, I had several of my good friends die last year. It was one of those years where, you know, I had like five close friends who died last year. All around my age or a little younger, which is still too young to die. In the way they died wasn't pretty, including Pastor Billy Joe Daugherty, you know. And, you know, it was a difficult year. You know what brought me healing last year? I'll be honest with you. You know, everything changed when all Roberts died for me. All Robert's death, and there's a reason I'm bringing this in in the dreams, because you're going to find out why. But all Robert's death brought a healing to me because he died right. He fulfilled the number of his days. You know, he wasn't any sicker than he had been for the last several years. And three weeks before he died, he announced to everybody that he was going to go and spend, you know, his anniversary with Evelyn in heaven. And, you know, people look and say, and he wasn't any sicker. And then three weeks later, he was there. And then when he was in the, hotel, you know, in the hospital room, he was, they were singing the tent revival songs. The glory of God was there. And he looked up and he said, I want to sing one last song. I want to sing something good that's going to happen. Instead of happen to you, it's going to, we're going to sing something good that's going to happen to me. And as he began to sing, he looked up, smiled, and he was gone. Now, something brought healing to me on that. You know, it's like, you know, he didn't want to leave the earth until ORU was debt-free, which happened in September of last year. He didn't want to leave until he had, he had handpicked the president of the university, which he did with Mark Rutland. Everything seemed to go right. And I remember being in a meeting with him, a close meeting several years ago, where he made a statement. He said he believed his death would mark the beginning of a new season. He didn't say it publicly because he took enough criticism. 
And I asked God about that, and God said, you know, he said, you know, last couple of years, he said, the body of Christ as a whole has gone through some tough times. He said, you know, I know why. He said, because at the end of any season, nothing works. At the end of any season, if it worked, you wouldn't get out of that season. So literally, at the end of any season, there's a due season for everything. Come on now. But when you're at the end of a season, it's, it's just, you know, it's like, okay. You're ready for the next thing. You're finally ready because you're fed up with what you're doing. <laughs> Come on. There's this, I'm, I'm going to try to help somebody. Remember when, when Moses died in Joshua 1-2? It says, my servant Moses is dead. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Joshua and Caleb were not waiting for two million Israelites to die. God just said they would. They were only waiting for one death. They were not allowed ever to go beyond Moses. As long as their general was alive, they, were, they had to stay in the wilderness with them. That was their assignment. For them to go beyond Moses would be out of order. So literally, Moses had to die in order for Joshua and Caleb to go forward. Come on now. So do you hear what I'm saying? So God announces, I mean, everyone knew Moses was dead, but they understood it. They said, now Moses is dead, guys. It's a new season. It's a new season. Go for it. Go for it. What was impossible until this seasonal change is possible now. Well, you know, you can't make anything work before it's time. You can't possess land before it's time. You can't have anything before it's time. Understand that. No matter what you're believing for, nothing works until due season. Come on now. But when due season, everything begins to work because it's a new season. And I believe we're in a new season called due season. Come on. And some of the dreams, come on. And how many people understand part of the fulfillment of that is the Holy Ghost on us? Because how was Jesus manifest? Holy Ghost came on the girl's flesh. Jesus was birthed. How is he always manifest? The Holy Ghost coming on some flesh. How do you get dreams and visions? God will pour his spirit out on all flesh. Come on. Revelation. You cannot have revelation from God without the Holy Ghost on your flesh. You can't. You can't. We've been sailing for a natural church when God wants a supernatural church. We've been excusing the way instead of believing. See, how many people are saying, God told me this, that he wants to bring a Joseph generation, a generation of dreamers. Come on now. A generation, of the dreamers will save the nation. One dream can change everything. Just, just ask you know, Martin Luther King Jr. Even when they killed the dreamer, the dream lives on. Thank God it does. Amen. He changed this nation with a dream. And God's going once again going to change this nation with a dream. Come on now. He's going to change the community with a dream. Do you hear what I'm saying? When Joseph had a dream, his family didn't say, whoopee. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. Uh-uh. When Joseph had a dream, guess what? The dreamless hate the dreamers. And the very person that will try to kill the dreamer is the very person that would profit from the dream. Those that tried to kill Joseph didn't realize his dream was their salvation. And the first thing God had to do which many of you don't understand the process. Because when you have a dream, doesn't mean everything's going to be sweet. When Joseph had a dream, the first thing God had to do is get him out of a dream-killing a dream killing household. So the best thing God ever did was have Joseph sold into slavery. Because had he stayed in that family situation, they would have killed the dream. And many of you are in that situation right now. You don't understand why you've been almost estranged from dream killers. Because you didn't even choose it. They chose it. But the best thing that ever happened to you was getting out of an environment that kills dreams. Come on, somebody. 
Then we see Joseph, you know, the dreamer. You know, there's something about dreamers. They, they, they have an anointing on them to create other dreamers. When they threw Joseph, when he went into Egypt, no one had a dream in Egypt until Joseph showed up. Then everybody started having them. <laughs> he had an anointing, you know. Even when he was, you know, when he was falsely accused and then thrown into prison, and in prison they had dreams, and he was able to interpret them. And then life still wasn't fair. Because when he interpreted the dream, one of the things he told the cupbearers, when you are restored to your position, remember me. And yet, cupbearer forgot him. But that was a God thing. Because God was positioning Joseph. Guess what? If Joseph had been released when the cupbearer had the dream, and when he was restored to Pharaoh, then where was Joseph to go? He couldn't go back to his home. If he went back to his home, they would have killed him. Because their lie would have been found out. So he couldn't go back. If he was released when Pharaoh had the dream, he wouldn't have been in position to interpret it. Many of you, you're in situations right now that are confining. You have a dream, but you have to hold on to the dream. And you're thinking, man, when is my breakthrough coming? But to be honest with you, when your gift is needed... Even the king will visit the prison if he has to. The pharaoh will visit the prison. There's nothing more powerful than a dreamer because a dreamer has no limits. Come on. The dreamer's reality is not by what his eyes see in the natural, but it's by what he can dream with God. A dreamer, God is the ultimate dreamer. See, a person without a dream is a person without a future, and a person without a future always goes back to his past. Even if he doesn't like it, it's still more secure. Let me show you again how this works. Because when God began to show me this, I, you know, this year I began to you know, talk about dreams. My son last year went through the first time, I, I may have even shared this last year, but I'm going to share the rest of the story like Paul Harvey. Last year, he went to a simple little science deal, and he got ripped off. I mean, it was unfair. I mean, people that beat him, it was mail-order projects. It was, you know, and here was just a regional science fair. And my son is a genius. It does skip generations. <laughs> and, you know, I'm not just saying he's a genius. He, you know, he, as a 10th grader, he scored a perfect score in his ACT. So that's pretty smart. He got a perfect score as a 10th grader on the SAT math section. You know, and, you know, he's just always, I mean, he's just off the charts. And my dad was, my dad was, you know, I, I just visited Princeton and actually went through the, the room where my dad used to meet with Albert Einstein when he was on Princeton campus and studied with Albert Einstein there. So it does skip generations. I played baseball. <laughs> I know how to spell Einstein. I looked it up. <laughs> Amen. Hey, as close as I get, baby. We all have different gifts. You know, I'm funnier than my dad was. <laughs> because intellectual humor, nobody else understands except for intellectuals. <laughs> Dumb humor, everyone understands. <laughs> Come on. But the bottom line is my son went out of that thing, and, you know, he was so discouraged. He said, Daddy, I quit. I am never, ever, ever going to enter another competition again. He is the first time he ever faced injustice. He was 15 at the time. And I remember, I, you know, the coach came in me. In fact, my son calls me the dream coach. I love that title. He said, you are a dream coach, Daddy. That's exactly what you are. He said, all you want to do is cause everyone else's dreams to come to pass. And you won't let people quit on their dreams. You're a dream coach. I said, ha, 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 ha. The dream coach. I like that. So, I mean, you know, he, he, he actually tagged me, and I took it. Uh, you know, but the bottom line is I got in his face, and I said, Joey, you quit. Those jerks win. I said, you know, I said son, you're going to face injustice. 
Life's not always fair. But I found out, but God is. He's not unjust, but people are. And I said, son, I said, you know something? I said, God didn't give you your ability. God didn't give you your brain. I said, you have the ability to bring in to this world ideas that have never been here before. You can see things what no one else can see. God gave you a brain and he anointed you. And I said, it's a gift. You're a steward. You're not the owner of it. And I said, if you quit, I can show you in Matthew 25, you're burying your talent. And if you're burying your talent, God will call you wicked, lazy, and worthless. I said, I didn't say that. That's what Jesus said. (laughs) And I'm saying, son, you will not quit. I said, you'll go back next year. You're going to throw something in their face they've never seen before. I said, you are God. God." And And literally, I said, I said, God's going to give you a dream. I didn't know it was being prophetic. God's going to show you something that hasn't been done before. He's going to give you a dream, son, and you're going to go back there, and they're going to, it's going to be so far beyond even these college professors that are judging this thing. They're going to have to call experts from the outside to come in just to explain what you've done to it. But you are going to do your best. And I say, if they rip you off again, we'll find another venue, but you are not quitting And I was, because I've seen too many people give up because some jerk told them they couldn't. Even if they were an educated jerk. And then, you know, at that moment, they were acting like a jerk. They were literally stealing a gift. And some of you, I'm telling you, get back to your dream. Get back to your gift. Get back. Come on now. So the next year, in February of this year, we walk in to the same place he got ripped off. When we walk in, they treat us like royalty. I didn't even know what was going on because that's not even like the way they treat science, you know. I mean, they they said, can we help you? They took us to the place. We noticed all these people gathering around us, staring at us. I thought, well, then there's three men with real fancy suits on. And they said, uh, they, one of the people said, do you mind if these men talk to your son? I said, they CIA? <laughs> and it's what they said, this is what they said. They said, they're, no, they said they're from Intel. And they said, well, they didn't know that what he did could be done. Yes. And they said, they need to talk to him. And, and they spent so much time with him. Later on, they told me, he said, your son's a blank check. He said, he sees things we can't see. You know, and they said, you know, what you don't understand is he's now on the radar of every high-tech firm in the world. He he didn't promote himself. He didn't promote himself. He didn't seek promotion. He just developed a gift, and the gift made room for him in the presence of great men. Do you hear what I'm saying? And for him, it's still a game. But, you know, that's part of it. You should enjoy it. You know, it's what he was meant and what he was born to do. And I kept thinking he was so close to quitting. And yet, God, now all these doors are flying open. And his greatest concern, you can pray for us. And we know which doors to go through. You know, before, we were just praying that door would open. And now it's like, okay, now what do you do? But you know, your gift, your gift, your gift, your gift. And many of you, honestly, you have a gift. Every one of you has been given a gift. You have your seed, and God wants to harvest from the seed. He doesn't want, he doesn't want the seed back in seed form because then his dream's not fulfilled. His dream is that you will bear much fruit. That's God's will. You're a seed that's carrying a dream, and that fruit is his dream. His, his dream for your life is fruitfulness. But it all begins with a dream. And many of you right now, God wants to restore some dreams. I mean, he's on order your steps so that you're at the right place at the right you know, time, doing the right thing in the right way with the right people. Come on. He'll, he'll put everything together, you know. My son, I finally did that. <laughs> I always have fun with this stuff, you know. 
I used to love it when they had the cords. I could wrap myself around the pulpit. <laughs> then I had to have other people unwrap me. <laughs> it was entertaining. <laughs> I've learned to laugh at myself because if not, we'd be in trouble. <laughs> but how many of you understand, I, I'm talking to a generation that's supposed to be dreamers. And I believe there's an anointing tonight to dream. I believe God wants to pour his spirit out on you. And old men will dream dreams. Young men will have visions. And people like me will have both because I'm a midlife blessing. <laughs> my son, I always call him my old man because he really is a dreamer. And I'm more of a visionary. So he's my old man. <laughs> you know? But how many of you understand God wants to show you something God wants to restore something. Literally, God wants you to see it in your spirit. You know, because how many people understand, if you can't see it, you can't have it. If you can't see, if you don't see yourself prospering, you never will. You know, the first step to being healed is seeing yourself whole. You know, I remember a friend of mine, this is, my, this is my closing. I'm going to pray for you in a second. Or I'll give another closing if this one doesn't work. <laughs> we just keep closing until one works. My wife used to say, why don't you start off closing? I say, it wouldn't shorten the message. <laughs> you know. But I had a friend of mine, and, and she, was, she had MS. And she's a friend now. I never knew her when she was bedridden, but she was bedridden for years. And she, at the, and she was a young lady when she got the MS. She had small kids, multiple sclerosis, bedridden. And she, she was a high school track star. And, you know, what changed her life was she got a series of CDs, actually tapes back in those days, from Brother Hagen. And we talked about him being raised up from his bed of affliction. And here she was confined to a bed. And she said when she first heard it, she thought, could that be? God, is, is there a chance? I mean, God, and, and the more she listened, the more she thought, you know, if you'll do that for Brother Hagen, you could do that for me. And the more she listened, she kept listening and listening. She said it was like a two-year process. She'd start off by moving a muscle she couldn't move before, just one muscle. And she said it literally, she said she got to the point where she was able to push herself and fall on the floor out of bed. And, her, you know, her relatives were really concerned about her. But she would not let them put them back in bed. She would crawl. She had to learn to crawl again. But she said she kept seeing herself running again, just running again. And she said, uh, it took about a year and a half to two years, but after that process, you know, uh, she's run, I think this was the 10th year she ran the Boston Marathon. 27 miles. And she, she's a, a ladies pastor at a church I go to, and she literally, she has more energy than anyone I've ever seen. And she, she literally keeps the, the seats at the end open because she'll run up and down the chairs. Why? Because she can you know what I'm saying? Hey, hey, you know, she running again. She running. But, but see, she had to have a vision change. She had to have a picture change. And for some of you, God wants to give you a dream. He wants to change the picture on the inside. He wants to change it so you can see a bright future. You can see a bright hope. You can see the way things should be instead of the way things are. So you can call things that are not yet that way as though they're going to be because they're going to be, praise God. Where all of a sudden your dream one day you're holding in your hands and it becomes your reality. It all starts with a dream seed. And for some of you tonight, I believe when you go to bed tonight, God will give you a dream. Some of you, it will start today. Some of you, God's going to breathe on some of the dreams of the past. Because you tried to make them happen before it's time. And many of you are disappointed, so you've laid it to rest, and God wants to resurrect it. Because the dream didn't die. The dream was of God. You just died to your ability to make it happen, and many of you, you felt like if you couldn't make it happen, neither could God. So not only did you kill your own ability, you killed his ability. It's time to reconnect with God's ability. 
It's no longer you, it's Christ. I want every head bowed, no one looking around, every eye closed. If you fall asleep, it's okay. God give you a dream. <laughs> I sure love preaching this stuff. People snore and think, yeah, they got it. <laughs> so I said, God, I wish I could stay on this, this topic the rest of my life because I definitely am a dream coach now. The goodness of God leads to man to repentance. There's a high calling in Christ. He, God always calls us beyond ourselves to him. Is there anyone here tonight, maybe, maybe, you've, never, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. See, you can't, you, I'm not talking about conjuring up your own dreams. I'm talking about God giving you dreams. In order for God to give you dreams, he must become your God. And there's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ the Son. God is the ultimate dream giver. He can turn your life from a nightmare into a dream. He can change the way you see things. He can change change the way you perceive things so that you're able to receive good things for your life. Is there anyone here, you've never made Jesus Lord of your life? Or maybe you walked away from it, it's time to come back. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Anybody? Anybody in here? I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that. Anyone else? That's me tonight. That's me tonight. There's another group of people I want to say right now. What, how many of you in here say, well, you know, Jesus is Lord of my life, but you're talking to me. I, at one time, I was a dreamer. But, I, you know, I got so real. I've been so disappointed that I basically don't want to hurt anymore. So I don't want hope anymore either. And tonight I, I want to I open my, the door open to Jesus and say, okay, I'm going to become a prisoner of hope again, a prisoner of positive expectation. God, I am not going to just do this thing without you anymore. How many of you say that's me tonight? If that's you, raise your hand. I know there's some in here. How some of you may say, I, I need to dream again. I used to be able to dream. It's been a long time since God's given me a dream. If you want that anointing, I want to pray for you. If you raise your hand for either one, come on up right now. Come on up. I want to pray. There's an anointing to dream in the house. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.